Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. gospel lesson comes to us from the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 15. Let us listen for the word of God. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Let us pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. As the Apostle Paul tells the early church in Rome, love is at the heart of the gospel message, and indeed it is evident throughout the entirety of Christian Scripture, both Old and New Testaments. And I hope that love is at the heart of this church. For the Gospel according to St. John so famously proclaims that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that all who believe in him shall not perish. But love is not just a blessing received and expressed. Love is a challenging task. I don't know about you, but for the past two weeks, I have been engrossed in the U.S. Open. I'm sorry that there's so much rain today for the men's final. It was fun to watch an American Coco Golf win the women's final yesterday. If any of you are going this afternoon, while I'm breaking commandment, I'm a bit envious. But I do hope that the rain lets up and you enjoy your afternoon. Throughout this week, as the players enter the court, the center court, they pass by a quote by Billie Jean King that says, pressure is a privilege. Well, in some ways I'm saying the same today, but you can separate the word love for privilege. Love is a privilege. With love comes a great blessing. Because to be loved is to feel something amazing, truly to feel a gift from God. But to love another, it's both a blessing and a burden. But it is a privileged burden. 
and I'll say more about that this morning. Sometimes love is easier to vaguely or idealistically talk about than to feel or to act with towards another. Earlier this week, Wednesday morning, bright and early, I was in line at the DMV in Midtown. You all know where this is going. It was my second time there, and I have to go back a third time. I had a very unpleasant experience, and I won't go into it, but I will just say that there are two ways to say no to somebody, a kind way and a rude way. And they said no to me in a very rude way. They make it very hard to move from out of state. When I left the DMV, I called Laurel, uh, mostly to vent. And then I got on a bus and I came up here to the church, and as I was on the bus, I thought to myself that brooding over this experience is doing nobody any good, certainly not me, because it wouldn't change the outcome. And so I decided that as I was on the bus, I would focus on my sermon for this week. And then I had to chuckle to myself that I had to think about what it means to love others, even when it is difficult to do. Here in Romans, we are told to love, but with some people, it is so much easier to owe money, to owe a favor, maybe even to owe them respect. But to do as Paul says, and to owe no one anything but love, that's an incredible calling. Sometimes even a burdensome one, so much weightier than some vague concept of love, because love doesn't let us off the hook. Love, true love, as God showed the church and as we are commanded to show others, is a difficult and challenging task. Love is a significant blessing. To be loved is amazing, and so is loving another. But love is also hard. When you love someone or something, you care deeply and passionately about it. And while love is a tremendous blessing and gift with love, comes hurt, pain, and frustration. Sometimes with love even comes conflict. And people, thankfully, love the church. But because of their love, they want it to be better, and sometimes conflicts happen. And that's why Jesus gives us these ways to deal with conflict in the church. It's unfortunate. But it's also a blessing that people love this place as much as they do. They love it enough to speak up the same way someone may love their country. You may love it enough to speak up and to want it to be better than it is. When you were young and you liked someone, think back to elementary or middle school. You may have had a crush on someone, and you liked that person. But when you like someone, you don't love them. When you like someone, they don't cause you hurt or frustration, because when you just like someone, whenever pain comes along, you can walk away. You can end that relationship. But when you love someone, you're in it for the long haul. You can't walk away. Liking and loving are two very different things. Jonathan Franson, the noted author, once gave a commencement speech at Kenyon College, and he entitled it, Liking is for Cowards. 
go for what hurts. And in his commencement speech, he encouraged his audience to love other people. Because liking, liking is so easy to do. It's a fair weather game where when someone pleases you, you're happy to be in their company, but it's love. It's love that makes you stay with one another even when the times are tough. And I've been blessed to see couples old, in old age, some struggling with Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever it might be, and they love each other. And they bear one another's burdens through sickness and in health, good times and challenging times, and it is significant and it is love that has seen them through all their years. And so liking and loving are two very different things. As we consider liking and loving, I want to tell you that God doesn't like you. If God only liked us, he would have walked away a long time ago. Instead, God loves you. Because only love would compel God to stick with humanity and each of us, our faults and our shortcomings, for so long. From beginning to end, the Bible depicts a God who remains with humanity through thick and thin. The Bible depicts a God who is desperate for relationship, who never gives up, who is willing to do anything. A God who might repeatedly have his people turn from him, grumble against him, yet repeatedly and endlessly responds with grace and kindness and offers us one chance after another. If God only liked us, he would have given up on us a long time ago. God doesn't like you. God loves you. And this is the greatest blessing of life. It's the truth I hope and I pray that you feel and experience every time you enter this place. The 23rd Psalm, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love the part of this Psalm that says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Because I believe that God's love, when truly realized in each of our lives, is meant to overflow from mental knowledge and acceptance into our actions and our being in the world. The realization of God's love, if properly and truly grasped, is meant to swell up within us and to fill us to the point where it's overflowing from us into all that we do. I remember seeing children who get so excited about something, and I have one child in particular etched in my mind. He was so excited with what he and his family were doing after church that he was basically jumping out of his skin. And even as his mom had her hand on his head, he was almost running in place. You can't contain yourself if you properly understand the love of God. It overflows into every aspect of our lives. Paul's exhortation to the Romans echoes the greatest commandment, the one Jesus stated in response to the lawyer who asked, what's the greatest commandment? 
And Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we know God's love for each of us, it spills out into how we act towards others. Paul, here in Romans, recalls some of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. In order to fulfill these commandments of the law, all you have to do is not do anything. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. But love, the love of God, is about so much more than just not doing stuff. There is no Christian Hippocratic oath where we promise simply to do others no harm. Instead, when Paul echoes Jesus' command to love one another, he compels us to do things that actually matter. We are called to love and to do things as God has done for us in Jesus Christ, even the point of sacrifice. Just as God has done in Jesus Christ, so too are we called to love others. And when we realize that we are loved, as Paul describes here in Romans, the night is over. A new day has begun. We do not live as we live because of fear from the law, but from a position of thanksgiving for what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. God doesn't like us. God doesn't like our sins or shortcomings. But God loves us. And so it shouldn't be shame or regret that weighs upon us. But the weight of love and the freedom that comes with it to live in the light, the light that God has shown us in Jesus Christ, a love that inspires a response not through threats and fears, but hopes and promises, a love that went to the cross and back. When I was learning how to drive, I think it was at the age of 16 or 17, I was able to get my permit in New Jersey. I took a driving lesson with an instructor, and it was my very first time behind the wheel. And I remember as I was picked up at my home and we drove off of our suburban street onto a busier road, It was the first time that I encountered both oncoming traffic and cars parked on both sides of the road. I became so nervous with not hitting the parked cars that I stared right at them. And I kept thinking to myself, I must not hit these cars, I I must not hit these cars, and I put all my attention on not hitting these cars. And I inevitably veered towards them. And the instructor yanked the wheel and put me back on course. What I learned was that if you stare too hard and too long, if you place your focus in the wrong places, you may unintentionally be drawn towards those very things. When Paul quotes the law, he draws our attention not to what should not be done, but to what should be done. Because what we've done comes from what we already have. And that's the love of God shown to us in Jesus Christ. If you place your attention and your focus there, everything else 
will fall into line. When Paul calls us to look forward, he calls us to place our hope, our faith, our attention on Jesus Christ and to throw aside the sin that so easily entangles and the weight that hinders so that we may follow the life of the light shown to us in Jesus Christ. Love isn't some vague ideal as it is often talked about in the world. I think of the Beatles, love is all you need. It's a wonderful, comforting, calm concept. But the love of God calls us to something specific, and it brings to mind the particular actions that he undertook for us in Jesus Christ. And from the particular comes the universal, our love shown to all others. Love isn't a vague ideal. Love is a challenging call. But recalling Billie Jean's quote, love is a privilege. If you are loved, you are challenged to love others. And so, hopefully, being fully aware of all that love might entail. Are you ready to take it on? If you are, the good news is you have help in Jesus Christ. For God's love is made perfect in our weakness. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.